Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I want to welcome all of you to Day Spring Church. Uh, you know, our pastor has been out for the past six weeks, and I'm so proud of every single one of you for being here. We want to be a culture where we foster community, where we come for each other much more than we come for any person that is up here. No matter who preaches the word, we want to be a community that loves each other, that helps each other. And uh, I just want to commend you so much for being here and making that decision this morning. Or maybe you thought he was going to be here, and you're like, dang. It's okay, he'll be here next week. He's actually uh, at a camp, um, at a youth camp, Foursquare had invited him. So he's out there with his daughter um, doing the Lord's work. If it's your first time here, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're with us. If you're joining us online, thank you. So many exciting things today. I am a dad now. My wife and I had our baby. Yeah. (laughs) Avery. Ezra Juarez is here with us. He's actually in the back. He's chilling right now. Um, And he'd love to meet all of you guys. So after service, um, you can stop by and say hello. Uh, But also another exciting thing is we're actually ending our series. We've been in a series called Five Things Strong Christians Don't Do. And this is like one of those series where like if you're not a Christian, like you kind of want to come, right, and be like, yeah, you know, take it. And you, you guys shouldn't be doing this and all that. And if you are, maybe it has been a little uncomfortable. Maybe uh, you, you've some of those things that we've talked about, maybe you deal with. But I think that it has been a really great blessing. And today we are actually finishing it up and wrapping it up. When you walked in, you should have received the bulletin inside of that bulletin is an outline where you can follow me along. Uh, If you don't know who I am, my name is Angel Juarez. I'm one of the pastors here at Dayspring Church, but you can follow me along in there and fill in the points. The premise, the verse that we've been using for this series is found there in your outline and it'll be on the screens. It's in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 25. It says, don't you realize that in a race, Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to what? Run to what? Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. You know, just as in sports, Paul is saying, don't just settle. Don't just be another Christian. See, the word Christian has been thrown around like if it's just, you know, a hat that you put on and take off. He says, don't just settle by being a Christian, but be the best possible Christian that you can be. It's kind of hard to believe, right? It's hard to believe that there are those who have considered themselves Christians for years, but have had little to no improvement. I know it's baffling, but it's possible. 
They, they, they have run just to run, but you can run to win. The first week, we talked about how strong Christians don't get easily offended. Then the week after that, Pastor Tony talked about how strong Christians don't mistreat others. And then the last two, Pastor Manolo talked about how we don't stay discouraged and we don't negotiate our faith. But today, today, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about how strong Christians don't live selfish lives. Strong Christians don't live selfish lives. So if you know someone who needs to hear this, send them a text. Be like, hey, tune in uh, online at Dayspring Church. I think this message is for you. <laughs> but we, before we go ahead, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your presence, Lord, for your sacrifice. Father, you didn't put us on here on earth without purpose, just to be another number, Lord, just to go through the motions, Lord, just to be another Christian. But Father, you have called us to greatness, to, for a purpose, Lord, to make an impact in your kingdom, to make an impact to those around us, Lord. And as we talk about uh, selfishness and selflessness, Father, may we have an open heart and an open mind. May we focus on you, Lord, and and Father, may you begin to transform our hearts. May you begin to change our lives. And may we walk out of here better than when we walked in. And everyone says, amen, amen and amen. You know, if I were to ask you, where do you want to be in your life? See, most of us would have an answer, right? Some of us would even have like a very detailed answer. You know, where do you want to live? Where would you like to live? Where would you like to have a house? What kind of car you'd like to drive? You know, what kind of shoes do you want? You know, for single people, what kind of man you want? You know, we got a list. <laughs> See, most would have an answer, right? Easy. I'll take an X5 with a decent house in Malibu. Nothing too fancy, you know, just very modest, you know. But we all know what we want, right? But what if I ask you, what does God want? What does God want for your life, for your kids, for your career? Or how about this? How about this? How about for those of you here, what do everyone on that side want? Or how about for all of you here, what do they want? It gets a little trickier to answer that, right? Because we spend the majority of our time thinking about what we want. Who cares about what the other person wants? We care about what we want. See, during the New Testament, when, when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, uh, there were, the surrounding religious uh, religions had uh, selfishness kind of engraved, uh, engraved in their religion. See, the Greeks wrote about how gods prioritized their pleasure over everyone else. And in fact, how they used human beings for their own pleasure. And in other religious writings, actually sexual pleasure in groups was a form of worship. And so thinking about oneself and being a, a selfish kind of permeated these religions and permeated these cultures. But see, when Jesus came in the New Testament, he said something different. He set a new standard. He introduced something different. He said, love God with all your heart. And maybe for some of you, you already have that down. The Pharisees thought so at least. Hey, he said, love God with all your heart. But he didn't stop there. He also said, you also have to love other people. 
You have to also love other people. Look at this verse in your outline, and this is the verse that, that, that is pretty much the whole message. Uh, it says, don't be what? Don't be what? I, th- I think I'm done. I think we could go home. <laughs> it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Wow. It says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Wow. That's the whole message. So if I lose you along the way, just go back to that message. Like, what's this about? Just read that message. Read that verse. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. You got to be humble. Don't just think about yourself. You want to know something funny? It's no one has to teach us to be selfish. Right? Nobody has to teach us. See, toddlers, little two-year-olds are selfish. You know, your cute little big cheeks, little child, selfish. I I I love seeing, you know, little kids play. It's it's kind of funny because, you know, they'll be there together, but all of a sudden, like, something gets in them. They're like, this is mine. Whoa, this is mine. It's my toy. And then they'll hit the other kid, and then they'll look. It's, it's crazy. They'll hit. They'll look to see if the parents saw. Kids are smart. See, we're selfish even when we're born because of our sinful nature. I have a three-week-old baby. Selfish. <laughs> Does not care about our sleep. Could care less. He'll wake up and be like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry now. I'll be in REM sleep. My eyes are like twitching and my wife's like, babe, the baby. I'm like, no. (laughs) Selfish. (laughs) I hope you know I'm joking to an extent. (laughs) See, Adam and Eve ruined ruined it for us all. No one has to teach you to say mine. No one has to teach you to think me first And see, selfishness is difficult to admit, but it doesn't need a lot of proof. See, I I like photography, and and before, uh, I used to go around and take pictures of people, and they'd be like, oh, you know, like, come take pictures of my family or whatever, and so I'd go and take pictures. And uh, whenever someone would not like a picture, which was often, um, it was never because they didn't like the lighting or they didn't like the detail, they didn't like the shadows and the highlights, uh, they didn't like the, the depth of field. It was because they didn't like how they looked. <laughs> See, everyone else could look great, but if they didn't look good, uh-uh, we don't like that picture. So take it again, take it again. All bad. See, but, but selfishness actually comes from something much deeper. And I want to talk about this deep problem before we actually talk about how we can overcome selfishness because I think it's very important. And this is so good. You guys ready for this? If you don't pay attention to anything else, pay attention to this. See, our nature, our nature, our human nature, it pushes us to prioritize ourselves. That is our human nature. It's where survival of the fittest, where natural selection have all stemmed from. 
And so we value and pursue accumulating wealth, fame, and glory. Why? Why do we do this? Check this out, check this out. Since the fall, since the fall of mankind, since Genesis, we have been trying to make a name for ourselves. Because if we're honest, wealth, fame, and glory means very little if it's not recognized by others. Even from Genesis, from the Tower of Babel, look at what Genesis 11.4 says. It says, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. And here it is, here it is. So that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. See, these were the Babylonians. And the Babylonians built some of the most beautiful, amazing architecture in the world. They built homes, roads, and cities, all wonderful things. But it was all to glorify themselves. It was never to glorify God. Why? And so here it is, here it is, here it is. Check this out. The root of selfishness. Hold on, Avery, I got this. You don't know how to preach for me. The root of selfishness is shame. Let me explain, let me explain. See, ever since Adam and Eve bit into that forbidden fruit, ever since they have sinned, we have been trying to cover up our shame, not with leaves or figs of leaves, but with accomplishments, but with wealth but with watches, shoes, cars, and houses. <clears throat> we think that if we write a best-selling book or sell a business for a million dollars or sign a record deal or get a bunch of followers on Instagram or, or build the world's tallest tower, then we'll be able to hide our sin. Then we will be worthy. Then we will make a name for ourselves. Then people will look at us differently and so we preoccupy ourselves purely with our advancement we concern ourselves with ourselves and in the process we forget about everyone else including God wow wow essentially essentially we are trying to save ourselves. But hope isn't lost, right? Look at there in 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says, he died, Jesus. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for who? For themselves. Instead, they will live for who? For Christ, who died and was raised for them. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, what this does, what Jesus has done for us, is that it allows us to live in freedom, knowing that now we are good enough. Now we don't have to do much except accept Jesus 
our Lord, and now we are worthy. Now we are good enough. Now we no longer have shame because Jesus says, I have paid it all. And that frees us up from our focus to, from ourselves to now other people and to God. Isn't that amazing? I got to get at least one amen there. <laughs> See, selfishness is not what we think it is. Selfishness is a self-preservation mechanism that has invaded our lives because of sin. And so we live selfish lives out of fear, out of fear of what God and other people will actually see if we bring down the walls and masks that we wear every day. Shame. That's why, that's why so many people live their lives trying to impress people that they don't even like. I'm guilty of it too. Because we're trying to cover up our shame. But see, Jesus Christ changes everything. He changes the whole game. He says, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. He says, you don't have to show off. You don't have to accumulate all these things. You don't have to uh, reach those goals and accomplishments that you have for yourself until you finally say, I am proud of myself. You can say that now because of what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. You can say, I am worthy. I have purpose. I am proud of who I am, and I don't need anyone or anyone else to validate this truth. Come on, somebody, can we say amen? See, it's because of Jesus Christ that it is possible to be able to live like he did, a selfless life. So now that we know the root of the problem, let's talk about how we can overcome this problem of selfishness. And you can fill this out in your outline. Is to live a selfless life, first you have to put a limit on yourself. You have to put a limit on yourself. I know. I know. I hate limits. I abhor them. My life will tell you I had no limits before I met her. This is not what I'm supposed to look like. (laughs) But I had no limits. See, when we first got married, uh, she did our budget. And I had recently got like like an okay, good job. And uh, I told her how much I got. She put together how much she made. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, do the budget and let me know how much I have like, for me, you know? <clears throat> and so she did it. She, you know, our debts, whatever, our bills. And she's like, all right, you got $14. Thanks, God. And I, 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 I blacked out. I don't know what happened, but my wife says that I didn't text back the whole day. <laughs> And then I got home and like I was depressed. And I was like, are you serious? I just worked my butt off to 80 hours plus, and I got 14. What can I do with four? That won't even cover my meals anymore. Anybody else? <laughs> I had no limits. See, but we gotta learn to limit ourselves, to limit how much we spend, how much we own, how much we experience. We even have to limit our commitments, our activities, our wants, our cravings. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 16, 24. He says, deny yourself. 
And this isn't some like religious thing where, where you know, like people, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not telling yourself for the sake of, oh yeah, I deny myself. No, 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 no. It's you tell yourself no so that you can say yes to Jesus and others. That's the reason you deny yourself so that you can say yes to Jesus and other people. You know, this might surprise you because it has surprised me till to, till to this day. But the definition of a Christian is not someone who goes to church. Which is pretty awesome because we get to invite whoever wants to come in here. They get to hear the word of God. They get to meet awesome people like you guys. And, and, and a Christian is not even someone who, who knows all the lingo, right? Hey, brother. I think people even bow now. <laughs> you know, and what's even more amazing is a Christian is not even someone who reads the Bible because atheist scholars read it to disprove it. So many people just pick it up to read it. That is not, no, the definition of a Christian is someone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and is thus becoming more like him every day. That is a Christian. That is the definition of a Christian. In fact, it is where the word came from. It was an insult. It was like, you little Christ. It was meant for an insult because they were trying to be like Jesus. We need to become more like Jesus. And if I want more of Jesus, then there has to be less of me. Look at John 3.30. It says, he must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. You know, if you really think to yourself, there's some of the things that are just like, do we really need more? You know, we live in a society where it's just never enough. Trust me, you will never have enough clothes. You will never have enough bags, a big enough house, a good enough phone. I lie to myself every year. I'm like, this phone is it. I'm going to keep this phone until it breaks. And then the new one comes out. I'm like, wow. And I throw hints at my wife. I'm like, look, look at what it could do now. I was like, look at these features. We don't have that feature. <laughs> See, there's always going to be something better. A new phone, a new modern, bigger home, an updated version of whatever you just bought. I used to get my check and, and, and start going on Amazon. I'm like, what can I get? But see, it's hard to be humble when you can get whatever you want. It's hard to be humble when you can get whatever you want. And humility has to come before uh, selflessness because it is humility that leads to being content. See, the more humble you are in your lifestyle, the more selfless that you will become. Look at Philippians 4.11. It says, for I have learned how to be content with everything that I have. See, the reason we're so content is because we are aware, right? We are aware of everything that we don't have and everything that everyone else has. We are aware of what is available. That's why we're never satisfied. That's why we're never content. And that's why having more stuff does not reduce the appetite to have more stuff. In fact, it only increases your desire to want more. And here's why, here's why. 
is because peace, peace is not found in more. Peace is found in the margins. Peace is found in the margins between how much you make and how much you spend. The bigger that margin is, the more peace you have. The smaller that margin is, the more stressed out we are. See, there are people who make more than everyone in this room. And they're all stressed out. Because they spend everything that they make. See, it's not how much you make, but rather the difference between how much you make and you spend. And see, here's the thing about being content. It's that being content is not something that you can just suddenly decide to be content. I don't know how many Office fans we have here. It's a show. <clears throat> not a lot, but there's a... There's a part where, where Michael's kind of uh, the main character. He's struggling financially. And uh, his accountant is, like, uh, sharing with them, well, you know, you can declare bankruptcy. Um, and he says, yeah? He's like, yeah, and, you know, all your debt goes away, kind of. And so he's like, you know what, I'm going to do it. He's like, okay. And he, like, kind of steps up, and he just yells, I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> See, being content is you can't just yell, I now content your feelings will not change see you actually have to replace that appetite with something else you have to replace that addiction with something else and this leads me to my second point and you can fill this out in your outline the second we have to develop a generous heart We have to develop a generous heart. Look at what Mark 10, 45 says. It says, he, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others. Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ, the son of God, he didn't come to be worshiped. He came to serve other people. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve other people. People, my question to you this morning is, who are you serving? Because we are all serving someone or something. We are either serving with our time, with our money, or with our skills. See, when you serve and when you give to other people, you begin to develop a generous heart. A generous heart is also one of those things that you can't just yell out. It doesn't happen that way. I wish it did. But it doesn't. And every time you're generous, you chisel away at selfishness. You want to know how you can know if your faith is growing? Your generosity is growing. You want to grow? Give. You want to grow? Give. And this is the greatest thing about it. Is no other act has more promises in the Bible than the act of being generous. Let me say that again. No other act in the Bible has that many promises as being generous in Scripture. Look what Acts 20, 35 says. It says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Come on, somebody. See, 
See, selfishness has crept its way into the church. It has crept its way into the church. See, many Christians only go to church up until they get what they were looking for. Oh, it's going to hurt, but it's okay. I'm hurting with you. See, people have come here struggling with their marriage, with their loss, with needing help with their kids. And as soon as they get what they came for or maybe didn't, see ya. You know, the church has been criticized and, and they leave church and reasons are, are weird. It's like, oh, I wasn't being fed anymore. They didn't call me on my birthday. Pastor didn't invite me out. I tell him he doesn't invite me out either. See, we're so concerned about me, 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 me. What can I get out of this? Pastor says, come to prayer, come to men's breakfast. And we're like, is there going to be food? Who's preaching? (laughs) I'm guilty of that too. (laughs) But instead of of straight away thinking about ourselves, how how about we say I'm there? In fact, I'm not just there, I'll bring food. In fact, I won't just bring food. I'll be there early to help set up. What a difference in attitude. How about we stop putting so much attention on what we can get out of everything and start putting more attention in what we can give and contribute to other people because Jesus says it is better, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I'm not saying we're all like this. There are some at Dayspring that help out so much and never ask for anything in return. They clean, they set up. They're so essential to the function of our church. And you know who you are. We're so grateful and thankful for your time, for your skills, for your love. Dayspring would not be Dayspring without you. In fact, this week, my wife and I got uh, dinner meals every day from someone at church because someone decided that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And most of the time, and I know this is unfortunate, most of the time when we give, we never see the outcome or we never see the, uh, the, the, what, we, what we sow, the, re- the, the, the change that we make. But I can tell you and guarantee you that this week, the fact that we got dinner, it has made the world of a difference my, for my wife and I. So if you were one of those people, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for putting others before you. Thank you for being more like Jesus. Look at this amazing verse in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, this is the amazing thing about generosity is every time you give, you make an eternal investment. 
Everything that you spend here on earth, you leave. You're not taking anything with you. But everything you give for God's work in others, you will gain so much in heaven. And let me tell you something. There is always a need. I can guarantee that every single person in this room, it might not be huge, but it might be small, has some type of need. There is always a need. In fact, this church, since I've joined it, has always had a need. And in fact, I want to invite you. No, 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 better. I want to challenge you to sign up and serve here at Dayspring. If that's something that you're interested, there is a card in front of you. That's my plug. (laughs) Don't believe that you don't have anything to offer and say, oh, they already have enough people. We don't. We always need more. We always need help. Trust me, we need help. We need teachers for the kids' classrooms. We need ushers. There is always a place for you here at Dayspring. And lastly, third, is we have to start putting others before us. So start putting others before you. Philippians 2, 3, 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, selfishness is one of those things that we all have to a certain degree. Like, no, it's very rare to find one who is completely selfless. It just doesn't happen. And in fact, not all selfishness is necessarily terrible. Sometimes we, we prioritize our families over, over something else, and that, that's a good thing. So don't think that it's all bad. But selfishness, if it's left unchecked, it can be detrimental to our lives. See, your marriage suffers when it's all about you. When you want to be right, when you want to feel good, when you want to be comfortable. See, and the crazy thing is a selfish person will make their family compete against themselves. And it's impossible for their family to win. See, your family will fight for your attention, for your love, for your priority. But if they have to compete against yourself, you will always win. You will always prioritize yourself. See, the best relationships are those where you put other people before you. See, it's impossible to live a rich and satisfying life with rich and satisfying relationships when we are selfish. We've talked about this so much, how we can't avoid people. I'm sorry, it's hard. You know, move to the North Pole. I don't know, but it's hard. People are always going to be around us. And so if we get good, if we get good at the relationships that we have with others, oh, our life be so good. You ever notice that most of the problems that we have come from other people? But if we can deal with it better, if we prioritize people, if we become more selfless, our relationships would be that much better. See, a selfish Christian is actually a contradiction. You can't be a selfish Christian. It's an oxymoron. See, one of the greatest examples of those who are so selfless are moms. Oh, moms. 
Moms will give up everything for their kids. You know, I experienced it with my mom and how, you know, there'd be times where we didn't have enough food for dinner and she would eat scraps and give us everything. There'd be times where she couldn't afford, you know, I'm, Christmas would come around, I want a PlayStation, you know, a little brat, like, I'm, I want it now, you know, and she didn't have the money. So like a good Hispanic mom, La Curacao came through, you know, and... Um, <laughs> In fact, there was a, there was a moment where, where I really wanted to play the guitar here at church. And um, if you don't know, guitars are expensive. Uh, they're very expensive. And uh, I remember one birthday, I, I was kind of begging my mom, like, I really want a guitar. And I will always remember that she had to end up paying the rest in change in front of me in order to afford me a guitar. And I am forever grateful. See, that is selflessness. To put other people before you. And how satisfying and amazing it is to say at the end of your life, I didn't just live my life for myself, but I helped someone. And see, I'm not saying to neglect all care for yourself, but simply start making small steps. Small steps so that you can become more selfless. And if you're like, Pastor, I don't even know where to start. I'm like way down there. It's okay, I got you. I got some some tips, some little places where you can start. You're not going to like them, but they're they're a start. It's like, how about this? How how about instead of upgrading your phone every year, how about you, you save some of that and help someone in need? How about when there's a last piece, you know, like a pizza or donut, How about instead of taking that, you ask around? Hey, did everyone get one? Am I good? (laughs) How about this one? How about that? How about instead of showing up 15 minutes into worship, we show up 15 minutes before and ask around who needs help? See, my my preaching has always affected me like that week. Like... (laughs) Uh, you, you know when two freeways uh, split, uh, and so usually one of them is like where people are actually trying to go. Um, I split every day on the five and the two freeway. Nobody goes to the two. Everyone goes to the five. And uh, I, the line starts like way back there. And, you know, I kind of start back of the line there. It always seems like there's people at the very, like, last minute who are trying to cut people off Usually BMWs, no one in here. <laughs> no one in here, it's a Spanish service, don't tell them. Um, and, and like, I get so upset and I, I speed up. I'm like, you're not cutting me off. You know, you should have waited in line. And I told my wife, I was like, I can't be preparing this message and do that. I just felt terrible. So this whole week, people were cutting me off. I'm like, the guy behind me was not happy, but I was like, I, I got to... I gotta be. I have to be selfless. <laughs> Give it a try. I mean, it really, it really challenges you. You're just like, you're a terrible person, but I'm better. You know, American Christianity has made it difficult for us to live a selfless life. There's so it's plastered all over social media. You, 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 you 
take care of yourself, you prioritize yourself. It's all about us, us, us. But if you want to experience all that God has for your life, it is a non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable. Let me ask you, what would your life, what would your family, in fact, what would this church, this city, this world look like if we got rid of selfishness? How much better would everything be Honestly, honestly, other than the stuff that you buy, what are you leaving behind? Will other people have gained something from your existence? See, because when you trust yourself, when you trust your things, when you trust job security, you're not trusting God. In fact, I wasn't going to share this, but this week I got the, hey, your job is in jeopardy. And I, 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 the first time ever, I had to go up to my, you know, superiors and be like, hey, do I have to be worried about my job? Do I need to start looking? And, like, in my head, I'm like, wow, this is what a recession looks like, huh? <laughs> As an adult. But, see, when we put our trust in all these things, we don't trust God. And I came out of there, you know what? Whatever happens, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, God. See, God wants us to trust him to, so that he can be able to give us worth, to love us, to give us purpose. That, that can only become a reality when we begin to live a selfless life. So I want to challenge you, why not? Why not? See what it could do for your life, for your relationships, for your marriage, for your parenting. Stop thinking so much about yourself. Give it a try. Give Jesus a shot. Say, you know what? I'm going to try to start living a selfless life. Let's see what happens. Might be difficult at first. But man, so enriching and amazing. A life with God. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. So that's it. Five things strong Christians should not do. And the last one is we should not be selfish. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.